0: On this episode, I'm in conversation with Becky Thomas. Hello and welcome to the QI Guy and Conversation with podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan O'Reilly. Welcome to the third episode of the second season. Um, I hope you've been listening along. If you haven't, please go back and have a listen to our previous conversations with uh, Sonia Sparkles and Tom Geraghty and of course you can go back and listen to the first 12 episodes, the first season and a couple of bonus episodes whenever you like, Whatever you get your podcasts. Uh, make sure you give us a, a little review, uh, give us maybe a little five stars. Um, I believe it helps with the algorithm as I'll say again. Um, make sure you're following us on Twitter at the QI underscore guy we appreciate the follows and the feedback that you've been giving us around this second batch of episodes so far today I am delighted to be joined by my friend uh, a lockdown friend um, Becky Thomas who is a a nurse and quality improvement practitioner in Wales Becky and I connected um, through Twitter, um, just exchanging messages and DMs and because of this world of remote working um, and, and working from home, but using Zoom and Microsoft Teams, etc., Becky and I have been able to, to connect and um, we've had a number of conversations about leadership and quality improvement and podcasting because Becky also Hosts um, a podcast called the Leadership Log, and you'll hear Becky talk a wee bit more about what exactly that is and what they're hoping um, to achieve with it, and 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 future future plans. And again, just to remind you, um, you'll get the the links to all of the references and different things that that we talk about in the episode. So, without further ado, here's my chat with Becky. So welcome back to the podcast and I am delighted to be joined by Rebecca Becky Thomas. Oh
1: definitely Becky otherwise I'm always in trouble <laughs> and of course I'm never in trouble Jonathan. <laughs>
0: I always find that when people shorten their uh, shorten their names and, and you call them by their proper name and um, the response is usually oh that's only my mother or my father or I only get I only get that if I'm in trouble. Yeah, um,
1: no, spot on. So
0: welcome to the podcast Becky you're a nurse I am. Um, an improver, and you're also um, exploring all things leadership as the, the host of the Leadership Log podcast as well. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you. I'm really delighted to be here, and it feels so strange to be on the other side of the microphone, I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> because normally oh. I'm in your position, um, and so it, it's very bizarre, but I'm thrilled. I'm I'm really delighted that you asked me to to record with you, Jonathan. I'm really pleased to be here today.
0: Well, that that might be interesting. There might be some debriefing going on after this uh, podcast. In yes. terms of how it felt <laughs> and and um, what what I put people through and uh, getting that reflected back. <laughs> yeah, I <exactly>.
1: know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really a bit weird, but um, weird in a good way. Weird in a good way for sure. Definitely. Good.
0: Good. good. So, um. I said that you, you're, you're a nurse by background, but you obviously yeah. you've kind of transitioned into um, a kind of quality improvement role at the mm-hmm. minute. I'm always fascinated by people that take that kind of journey, um, mm-hmm. going from a clinical role into um, whether it's quality improvement or, or any kind of support research, different things like that. Yeah. And what motivates them? So what what was it for you that, that made you want to move away from from practice and into something something different?
1: So it was so um, one thing I'll tell you about myself and and people who know me will will back me up on this. I'm not a planner. Um, Jonathan so I've never had you know people ask you in your your PDA or your you know your professional review you know what where do you want to be in five years time and I'm like mm, I don't know alive and kicking would be a good start and we we'll take it from there so I've never really so if I'm being completely honest I fell into the QI role and it was something that I was asked to do as a part of my my clinical role. So I was ward sister at the time um, and uh, there was this thing called the productive ward which I'm, everybody in, in, in England would be very aware of and of course when it came to Wales we weren't allowed to call it the productive ward. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to call it release in time to care and I remember my um, my line manager at the time, the senior nurse at the time, saying to me we'd really like you to um, to kind of lead on this and work with two other wards um, and so, yeah, we looked at introducing this release in time to care, which was about looking at the amount of time that nurses spent directly at the bedside with patients and then thinking about, so using lean methodologies and things and looking at th- things we wasted our times doing. So, you know, we looked at, uh, you know, how often we were interrupted and I was fascinated to find out that we actually interrupt ourselves most. Because when you ask people that question, they usually say or oh, um, relatives or patients or or whatever not the patients are an interruption i just put that out there um but uh, actually we interrupt each other a lot because we're the people that know what's going on so i guess we go to each other don't we, to to find mm-hmm. out um, how that is so yeah so i started off doing that loved it um i remember they brought in um an outside agency called km kmt i think they were called and and they you know, went through the Kaizen House and all this sort of stuff. So that was my real first introduction to any of the QI um, uh, um, models, philosophies, um, language, because it's all, you know, it's all in there. Um, and yeah, and then I was asked if I would like a secondment in, in kind of spreading Releasing Time to Care across the organisation more broadly. So I stepped into um a, a band seven role then that um saw me supporting other wards uh doing the transforming care well it, it later became transforming care because there was something else going on at the time called TCAB so tr- transforming care at the bedside and so um and then there was this releasing time to care and so TCAB because we, we love an acronym don't we so TCAB was the human side of change. It was more focused around the people involved in the change. Whereas transforming care at the bedside was very process orientated okay. and looking at your systems and your processes. So of course marrying the two together was a, a magical union that became known as transforming care. Um and yeah, so I've been in a, a, a QI role now for ten years. So I've been nursing for twenty five years and I'm um I've been in a QI role now for ten years. Um it's not always been smooth sailing and there have been times where it feels like you're the only one it can be a very mm. lonely place sometimes QI, can not it
0: yeah absolutely absolutely um that's interesting it was also called releasing time to care here in scotland
1: oh was it that, see a Scots yeah, the Welsh,
0: yeah I, I think it may have been called productive wards in the hospitals but certainly i supported it in, in community yeah uh, working with health visitors and district nurses and it was mm. releasing time to care and it was it was my kind of first introduction to a lot of the lead methodology as well. So yeah, uh, yeah it's, that's that's interesting.
1: Well I'm on a mission to bring it back to be honest, Jonathan, because I I I loved it. I thought it was it, it it was great. And we currently work with the model for improvement and um whatever. And I don't know. It just feels like staff don't quite get that the way that they got transforming care. And I'm not entirely sure what that is. Maybe that's a the bit maybe that'd be an interesting piece of work to, to kind of unpick. What is it about transforming care, releasing time to care, as opposed to does the model for improvement seem like a more f- a very formal improvement? Mm process and then people get a little bit anxious about it where i don't know strange
0: yeah that's that's interesting i mean uh, uh, obviously lean you have the eight wastes and and, and maybe that focuses the mind and attention and i can remember a lot of the the release in time to care was was around kind of uncovering um you know overproduction and 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 time and, and, and different things like that so you know maybe Maybe that's easier for staff to get yeah. into than than perhaps the model for improvement. But um, yeah, that's 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 it, interesting.
1: It, yeah, because I think the other thing that released in time to care is the language, because it was well organized ward, knowing how we're doing, patient status at a glance. They all did what it says on the tin. You know.
0: Yeah.
1: What's patient status at a glance? Well, it's so you know what's happening with your patients at a glance, you know. What's well organized ward? Well, it means decluttered, tidy, efficient, easy to find stuff. Do you know what I mean? Whereas maybe mm. there's more explanation and more learning required around. I don't know. I'm making huge assumptions, well,
0: but I think I think, I think maybe some of the differences releasing tied to care and those approaches where were maybe try to address a specific problem. But mm. something maybe a model for improvement is a model for addressing all of your problems.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you know, maybe.
0: So it's big and it's broad, and actually mm. what you need to bring is that context of of, of what you want to fix. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's you know there's. As they say, was it all models are wrong. Some are useful, and I and I think that's that's exactly kind of illustrated yeah. that point. is there's there's lots of different ways to kind of get into change and improvement, um, and some of that will be easier to understand, and some of that will will suit your context. Yeah, so no,
1: definitely.
0: I said um, Ella, obviously, you're you're kind of hosting this leadership blog, um, podcast, and you're having um really great chats with with some fantastic people and I know we discussed the, the kind of the role of the modern nurse thinking yes. about yourself transitioning to QI and you know, I, I spoke to people in the past who've, who've taken a similar path and actually sounds very similar to yourself you know they kind of fell into it but then they mm. loved it and then opportunities come up and, and mm. they're, they're maybe now more in that quality and quality improvement side of the house but I mean how do you think the, the kind of the role of the modern nurses change because there's obviously a lot in the minute around um, recruitment and retention within the health and social care and and, and burnout and the impact of um, of of the pandemic. Um, but actually, it, it is nursing is just more than say care and treatment roles. I mean, what else is out there?
1: No, no. I, I you know again, I, I agree with you completely. I think. I have to say this is something that I've pondered more so over the last 18 months or so um, uh, due to the current state of you know with the pandemic and everything going on and and having been grounded as a result um, and unfortunately I wasn't able to do any clinical work and help in um, in a clinical redeployment because of my own health risks and so I really struggled with that because I felt I wasn't being a nurse you know so even though I was in this quality improvement role and improvement was is probably now more than ever needed isn't it and was happening um, probably more so than ever because you know all of those kind of barriers and things around finance and things like that just seemed to disappear with with the pandemic so improvement was just seemed to just be happening uh, more consistently and more naturally more organically um, but I still had this sense because I am a nurse at At my core, you know, the reason I went into nursing is because I love people. I love people. I get um, so much reward and I feel hugely privileged to look after people and their families. Um, And so stepping into a modern role, as you call it, like something that is considered to be completely, you know, non-clinical. And then maybe for some people considered not to be, um, you know, much of a nursing role is something i really pondered. And and, um, actually, I've come to the conclusion that we need to talk more about the modern nurse and more about the opportunities for nursing because there's opportunities in research, there's opportunities in in innovation, and as clinicians, um, we can bring so much to those roles and we can really influence um, um, change or we can really influence patient care, which is one of the reasons why I came into nursing in the first place was always to do my very best for those that I cared for, um, and so I just that's I did have to reframe my thinking around. Well, okay, so I might not be at the side of a patient's bed doing that t- traditional um, nursing care, um, which is hugely important. Um, and we've, you know, I I have lots of nursing friends, as you can imagine. Um, and it just, I don't know, it's it's really strange. It's something that I'm still kind of I struggle with now and again. Is around, you know, I I'm very keen to keep calling myself a nurse. But there's this kind of link between the fact that if you're a nurse, you should be in a, in a clinical role. But there are hundreds and hundreds of non-clinical um, nursing roles out there and so much opportunity and so much learning and a breadth of experience. Um, and I would encourage everybody, um, anybody who's nursing, who's looking for something uh different to experience something different to look into the realms of qi innovation research um you know academia even do you know what i mean we make great teachers Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's 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 hugely important i guess you could do a whole podcast um, yeah i mean it's
0: you know it sounds like it and it's something we've discussed uh, you know i've discussed with people in previous roles about how how we kind of um retain nursing staff or how we um, transition nursing staff um, into different roles, where they're maybe not able to provide the same care and treatment they could, for whatever reason. Um, because the alternative is that they leave the profession and they go off somewhere else. And obviously, yeah. we we want to keep people, um, but we want to keep that knowledge and that expertise. And I have to say, you know, as a non-clinician myself, and as someone who's just mm. kind of coming from a kind of governance and risk and quality background, um, I've Learned an an incredible amount by working alongside nurses and midwives and um, and doctors and and, and you know HPS who've also had that kind of um, QI training or or or, or can see the world through that kind of QI lens because they're able to bring the the problems and the issues and the opportunities and describe them in a way that then makes sense to me um because some sometimes as a non-clinician you can get some um resistance yeah oh i'm sure yes
1: we can be we can have some antibodies sometimes to non-clinicians but i think that's more about them as a person than the fact that a non clinician, oh, that's what I'd hope, but yeah, I get. And there are some clinicians out there who don't take kindly to non clinicians coming along and telling them how to do <laughs> or what to do in terms of their day to day job. But I think one of the things for me, one of the things I learned in, in the last couple of years, I did a, a um. Cardiff put on a Spread and Scale Academy, which was hugely, um, was hugely beneficial to me and my learning and, and my thinking. And it was run by the Billions Institute in America. And um, the lady, Becky, who ran, incidentally, was called Becky, um, she um, talked about um, your zone of genius. So she had us think about what are the things actually you're quite good at, but you, they don't, you don't derive joy from doing them in work. And then actually think about what are the things that you do, um, that you get that utter joy from doing in work. So it's a bit like, you know, when you were a kid and you were out riding your bike and your mother was trying to call you in for tea or whatever. You know, was it that you were out on your bike? Were you you climbing trees? You know, what was that thing that gave you utter joy and that you kind of lost yourself in? And I have to say, with the current state of with with nursing, not just nursing, but any healthcare professional and the burnout and everything else. Maybe what we can do as improvement practitioners now is to help use some, maybe something like appreciative inquiry and help them to start remember why they came into um, nursing or medicine or whatever in the first place, because I'm sure they've probably forgotten because it's just this wave of of just awful things that have been happening, isn't it? So. Yeah. Kind Of, like, I try and carry that zone of genius with me, and when I'm looking to recruit other people or try and encourage other people to come into improvement, I always ask that question What is the one thing that you um, derive great joy from in work? And for me, it's people and engaging with people, so whether that's teaching whether that's sitting by somebody's bedside and holding their hand because they need somebody to talk to you know that can that can manifest in many different ways can't it but um there's a there's a whole book on the zone of genius i can't remember the name of the chat but it's 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 a it's a great um model to look at and especially when you're maybe a bit pathless in terms of where you want to go for your hmm. career so i would encourage you to have a look at that yeah we'll, well well
0: uh we'll put a link to that reference in the show notes because i'm sure that um, might resonate with a lot of people in terms of that perhaps at a bit of a crossroads at the minute yes. in terms of, of other care and, and how they move forward. So I, I wanted to talk about um I know that you've been doing the is it the Florence Nightingale Foundation? Is it the the, the FNF yep, leadership it. journey? Yeah. And um you know that's where the the the, the podcast is is kind of been born out of um and I was really I was really kind of keen to explore um, well, what, what is that opportunity and, you know, mm. and, and and who is it open to, but but how is that helping you with, with QI and the kind of leadership lessons that you're learning mm. uh, and, and the, the kind of peers you're learning with, how is that kind of helping with QI and, and is there maybe any kind of leadership talk, tips that you've kind of discovered um, over the last period?
1: Oh, yeah. Uh... Well, firstly, the Florence Nightingale Foundation Leadership Scholarships are utterly transformational. And I would encourage any nurse that may be listening to this podcast to check it out. Um, I give you the link if if you want, Jonathan, you can pop yep. it in your show notes. But um, they're hugely transformational. And I will tell you again that I had a terrible case of imposter syndrome when I was being prompted by a friend to apply for a Florence Nightingale scholarship because Florence Nightingale is is you know is is the nurse isn't she she's like she's the woman she's although there are arguments out there around Betty Cadwallader and Edith Cavell and there's many other nurses who did great work as well but you know Florence is and so there's this huge sense
0: Florence's PR sense,
1: yeah exactly <laughs> and so there's this huge sense of privilege attached to um uh, I keep I don't know if that, I like but anyway there's a huge sense of privilege attached to be uh having a scholarship and having that opportunity and I completely understand why now so I've been doing the scholarship for just under a year but as i said when i went to apply for it i had a huge uh kind of imposter syndrome i'm not good enough why would i even get this why am i putting myself out there in that you know ended up in that whole kind of negative narrative cycle um but you know what? I felt the fear and went for it anyway. I, I made an application, um, and one of the things they ask you for actually is a QI project as a part of of doing the scholarship. Mm-hmm. So um, you had to present your uh, project as a part of your interview. Um, and yes, I mean I was thrilled when I found out um, that you know I'd got a I got a scholarship um, and. It was it was the right time because I think I know I referred to earlier how I've been struggling with, am I a nurse? You know I I, I'm I'm not at the bedside. I'm not being redeployed in the awful you know in those awful awful times where, um, the things nurses were having to do with patients and and having to get them to say goodbye over iPads and things like that. You know I wasn't involved in any of that and I really struggled with that, which may may sound a little narcissistic, but because for me as a nurse that was my calling I felt like that's what I should be doing I did end up however on a on a mass testing site in a high vis jacket which is something I thought I'd never end up doing as, as a nurse <laughs> um so I, you know I did contribute and I contributed in in different ways but um yeah I mean the the scholarship um has been uh hugely influential and my my Confidence was at an all-time low because of the things I just alluded to, and and I and I and and again, as I said, the, the whole kind of application process. The whole time I went through that, I was like, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Um, and but turns out I am good enough. <laughs> uh,
0: sure. and so
1: is yeah, and so in a, is anybody else out there that's even considering. And if you wanna, you know, if you want to go for Florence Nightingale scholarship you know please get in touch with me i'd be more than happy to to talk anybody through it it is open to nurses and and midwives um and um yeah i mean the, the day i got the call to say i'd been successful you know i was like are you sure <laughs> you know have you made a mistake <laughs> um, and I was convinced they were going to tell me that I that, that I hadn't been successful and I don't know what it is and I've had these conversations with a few people it's almost like they sprinkle fairy dust over you or something because you instantly, <laughs> I felt more confident and instantly I felt more courageous and I think that's just because I think what Florence does it it, it uses, I don't know if this is intentional but there are belonging cues in there that make you feel that, like you belong to um a group of people who are there to support you and encourage you and nurture you um and likewise be a critical friend when you need it as well and some of the people I've met on this journey on this Florence journey so far will be friends for life I have no doubt and have been hugely supportive and have been you know they've I've had affirmation from them about the fact that I am good enough um and and even you know um the Gemma and Lucy and, and everybody else who works in Florence who I've had the pleasure of meeting and and um the benefit of their experience and, and their wisdom. It's just it is it is tremendous. I feel like I'm gushing too much now. I think they get enough accolade anyway, but uh, but yeah and I mean and so the podcast came about as an opportunity that I pitched to my group. So there's about 50 of us in the group. And I pitched to the group um, and said, "Wouldn't it be great if we if we could do something um, digitally? You know, cop- capture our journeys in such, some sort of digital format." So there was there's about fifty of us in the group, and I was like, "Hey guys, should we? Wouldn't it be great if we captured our journey somehow?" Um, um, and like I said, it was. Very selfish because I was teaching myself video editing, and I was really keen to get into the podcasting space because I listen to podcasts. I I find them hugely hugely beneficial, and I just felt it might have been a good digital medium to use to capture our journeys. Um, and that's when the leadership uh, log was born, really. So we had these. everybody's like, "Oh, podcast sounds like a great idea because nobody really wants to go on camera," which you know you can understand. Um, and then we just started having these. So I am quite random in my thinking. Um, So we just started having these conversations and I'd be like, it's like a legacy, like like a time capsule that we leave behind for others as well as ourselves. Wouldn't that be great? And so then we started to think about, you know, Captain's Logs, like, you know, Star Trek, all that sort of thing. It all got a bit crazy in terms of what we talked about. But um, and there's somebody in the group that does sailing, so we were thinking about navigating the waters of leadership, and so all of that conversation ultimately ultimately led to the name, the leadership log, um, and the strapline, navigating everyday leadership. Um, and ultimately, the the point of it all is for us to put other people's experiences out there so that others can can hopefully get something from it, which which seems to be the case so far, anyway.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's that's very much the ethos behind behind this podcast as well. To kind of reflect on it, it's it's making a mm-hmm. contribution. It's it's putting something out there that people can can access and kind of the months and in in, in in years ahead. Mm-hmm. Um. So I mean, the the podcast is out there. You can you can get it. Whatever you get your your podcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> we have we have no allegiance, um, to different no. podcast providers. But um, I mean some of the guests that you've had on some of the subjects you've 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 covered what's what's kind of been highlights for you
1: well that's that's really interesting so I have to say imposter syndrome is alive and kicking within me so every time I prep for a uh, podcast so we've got like a core show which is the leadership blog, and we've got this kind of sideshow or mini series sideshow sounds like it's some sort of freak show doesn't it but we've got this mini series <laughs> the scholar spotlight sessions and the scholar spotlight sessions are the reason why we started the podcast in the first place so those are the sessions where we get past and present scholars to come and talk to us about why they wanted to be a scholar and, and their leadership journey to date Um, And so those are kind of like little snippets. And and so those are mostly nurses. Well, they are all nurses. Um, And, you know, we put them out there in the hope that it encourages other people to go for scholarships. And also I've got some great feedback from some of the scholars I've recorded with so far about how they loved the opportunity to reflect on their journey. Um, And so they've got this kind of recording now that they they can refer back to and they can share with others and so that's been, um, we've had some really great feedback around that. And then, sort of, the core show was always going to be more about like subject matters um, or subjects, leadership subjects, and getting subject matter experts in, although I'm not sure I like that term, but subject matter experts in who then talk to us about their experience around a certain element of leadership. And I would, I, I often then, as a result of my research and reading, I come up with a couple of talking points that helps to kind of scope out the episode and that's very similar to how you approach it to be honest um Jonathan yeah. I'm probably influenced by you to be fair because you were very kind and, and met with me right at the outset of my journey and um you know even now I you know I really appreciate the advice that you gave me because it was really really helpful um and so yeah so that's kind of how we do it but it's just I'm always in you no know, I feel um as if I um really lucky to get the opportunity to sit down with these people and have this one-to-one opportunity to ask them Mm -hmm. whatever and to have these really great conversations with people so I can't like I've really enjoyed all of them because I've got something very different from all of them I mean the very first one was with Gemma Stacey who um was just um it was just wonderful and I couldn't have asked for a better guest I think for the very first episode and we talked about authentic leadership um and she is kind of you know she's definitely a true authentic leader you know throughout and so it just felt really right and then I think probably one of the strangest ones for me but again in a good way is when I when I sat down and I did the leading through the pandemic episode which was with my assistant medical director for quality improvement Helen Lane who's a very good colleague and friend of mine who actually we've known each other for about 16 years now and she was my consultant when I was a ward sister and and now we work together in the, the quality improvement space and so I was heartbroken listening to her though because I knew she'd gone you know i knew she'd been going through all of this stuff cuz she you know we we'd touch base regularly but to sit there and listen to everything she'd gone through i think it was just closer to home for me because i work with her and a lot of, a lot of the kind of examples she was giving i knew exactly what she was talking about and who she was talking about um and then when we read cuz she'd started writing poems um to kind of help her through that sort of stuff and when 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 we, when we read one of her poems at the end of it um we had st- you know i was like right, okay let's sit down let's stop recording because i'm about to lose it because uh, it was it was hugely hugely impactful but i think do you know what the biggest highlights for me is all the um feedback we get from the people who are listening and who are following the journey um and i've had messages to say particularly around the imposter syndrome episode thank you so much for that episode for, um with lucy brown who recorded with me because um it resonated with so many people yeah um, Mm-hmm. And yeah, so people have reached out and shared their experience as well, which I think is quite profound and uh, impactful. And I'm again, I keep using the word privilege, but I can't think of anything else. But I'm hugely honoured that people feel that they can kind of reach out and and share in in that way.
0: Yeah, I think for me, those the two episodes, the one in authentic leadership and imposter syndrome, I think. Are, are really essential listening mm. I think mm. they are two subjects that probably a lot of us um, struggle with I, I, I know that I do in terms of what is authentic leadership and and, and how do you how do you present in authentic way as, as, as a leader and I think we all struggle with imposter syndrome at one, mm.
1: yeah. at one
0: point or another whether it's starting a new job or or Doing some presentation or you know trying to host a, a podcast. Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's bizarre, um, you know,
1: isn't it? We we
0: we all we all struggle with that. So I think they were really helpful for me because, I, like you said, it was that opportunity to kind of stop and listen and do a bit of reflection and listen to somebody else's his journey. And sometimes trying to see your challenges in someone else's journey helps you make sense of it because at, at the very least you just realise that you're you're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, in these challenges so what's the 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 plans for the the future and the leadership log I wonder could you could you give us any kind of uh insights into what's coming up spoilers
1: you want spoilers spoilers go for it so and unlike you who does it all on your own I take my hat off to you um I am extremely lucky and I've got a small group of scholars that um work with me and they are just brilliant which allows us to be able to grow and do the things that we want to do so interestingly we had a planning meeting last night um so we need to finish off series one which is probably going to see us into kind of like march april time um and then we're going to be full-on planning for series two with hopefully more exciting guests i have um Got some guests, some exciting guests lined up. We don't like to say too much because you never know, do you? You just n- yeah. never, you just <laughs> never know. Um, and also some more kind of like um engagement activities. We've been thinking about, so I will share, we've been thinking about maybe a leadership book club and mm-hmm. how maybe we could use Twitter spaces to hold like a monthly book club where we talk about a leadership book. Um, but also try and engage our listeners in sharing. Um, You know, we've created a, I'm giving away loads of spoilers now, my my tea (laughs) might kill me. Um, But also we've created a, like a, a book review template with some key questions on it um and just to encourage people to share because one of the things i've noticed also in the qi space as well though actually actually probably more so in the qi space is like everybody's always like searching for these book recommendations and everybody's like oh i've got enough time to read and i need you know need more time and so i do subscribe to blinkist which gives you these like um and i'm sure there are other apps that do a similar thing but i do subscribe to this app that um you know gives you these kind of like quick insights into what a book is about which is which is great quick content um Mm. consumption isn't it but um i'm old-fashioned and i do like to read a book but i guess if you get those kind of like insights from other people it helps you better decide actually you know what that's enough i don't need to know any more about that book i'm gonna I'm going to go with um something else but um so yeah and um, you know we have got um we have got some new a new mini series that we're planning to to run alongside the the core show in the in series two as well so that's going to be which we're actually partnering with somebody so um so yeah so lots of exciting stuff going on i to be honest Jonathan, i would have been happy if we'd done a couple of scholar spotlight. Uh, session episodes and people were happy with that i cannot believe um where we currently are with everything with the leadership log and like i say i have to thank my log pod crew as i um call them or we call they call themselves um because you know it is a huge amount of work so i often wonder how you manage it to be fair, fair. cuz between the social media stuff and the planning and the recording and putting it out um but I guess when you've got a passion about it, it makes
0: it it makes it, it, yeah, makes it a th- joyous thing. I think so. I think when you are passionate about something, it kind of makes it easier. It doesn't necessarily make it easy, but it makes it it makes it easier. But I like a plan. I like to be I like to be planned. So I, I I normally have all this stuff mapped out and it's just a case of what I'm doing today. Um so as we wind down here, um, Becky, I want to give you an opportunity to, to plug your Twitter, the podcast. Where can folk find it? Find you um, on the Twitter machine.
1: Yeah. So, um, so my uh, Twitter handle is at Becky underscore QICTM. Um, And then you've got the leadership log, which is at leadership underscore log, and you can find uh, both me and the leadership log on um, Twitter. Um, And yeah, please come and have a look and and see what we're up to. If you'd be interested, if you're a leader and you think you could bring something to the podcast, let me know. Um, (laughs) Maybe we can have a chat. Um, and don't think you're getting away with just recording me, Jonathan. <laughs> uh, you know, so yeah, look out for Jonathan. Hopefully, on the leadership blog in the future as well. So that would be really great. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we are. I mean, I guess one of the other things we hope to have as well for series two is a website, but we haven't got that yet. So I can't really signpost anybody to that. But that's something that's in the in the in the workings as well, if you like. So yeah, lots of great stuff to come for series two. Um, and I just, you know, huge thank you. Yourself included, Jonathan, because the QI Twitter community have been hugely supportive of the leadership log. Um Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful to everybody that's been supporting us. Um and I'm sure I can speak on behalf of, of my of the team as well. Um we're hugely grateful because you know it wouldn't be where it is. I wouldn't be talking to you about the leadership log if it wasn't for the people that listen um and follow us and engage with the content that we put out there so thank you everybody
0: fantastic and speaking uh, speaker of grateful i'm very grateful that you've um joined me today i've i've had a lot of fun um listening to you uh, and have a conversation with you becky so thanks very much for coming on the podcast
1: likewise thank you it's been lovely thank you so much jonathan
0: A great conversation there um, with Becky, and um, as you heard me say, I had a lot of fun. Um, Becky and I have had um, a number of conversations over the last kind of eighteen months, two years, and um, she's she's someone that I find kind of talking with um, very easy. We have a lot of, of 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 shared passions, and we're both podcasters, as 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 you heard. So definitely give the leadership log a listen wherever you get your podcasts and um, as i said the episodes on authentic leadership and imposter syndrome i think what you know essential essential resources because i think we all struggle with that sometime as as i said so and um, please go and give that a, a, a subscribe and download follow on twitter follow becky on twitter you got all the details in the show notes so we've come to the end of another episode of the qi guy in conversation with i want to thank you again for listening and showing your support by following us on uh, twitter at the qi underscore guy and wherever you get your podcasts leave us a, a review um, give us those those five stars. It helps boost us up the, the algorithm. I'm sure we must be in the top 10 of QI related podcasts if there's such a chart. Um, we'll be back in two weeks time with uh, another conversation.
1: And until then, take care.